Praise the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. I wonder if you can just sort out that sound. It's going to annoy us all and have everyone focused on sound rather than on the Lord and what he wants to do. Hey, it's great. So I'll just hold it here and give you a chance to fiddle with the dials, eh? <laughs> do what you can. Do the best you can. We just appreciate you came here early and you've helped make this thing work. Hey, it's great to be here with you this morning, and uh, just uh, I love being in back at home, and uh, just waking up and seeing what it's like outside on my, it's just so good to be in Hawke's Bay. Been in, uh, in three places, I've been in Perth, we had an Asian church there of about 12 or 1400 people, and power of God moved through that church, we had so many people experience tremendous breakthroughs. Went from there up to, I had about six meetings, I think, in three days. We're very Asian. And uh, then went from there up to Durban, uh, where we came to a, a church there. I think it's about 12,000. They've got a number of church plants. And uh, we had an amazing move of God. Just touched so many people. The church had been through transition and change, going through many challenges like we faced, and uh, very uh, and, and upheavals and, you know, separation and some relationships. And so it all sounded very familiar to me. But God moved and brought just a tremendous touch. The staff meeting, they, they said they had never been so deeply touched by the power of God. And they were all up weeping. So the pastor said, I've never seen them respond like this ever as God touched their lives. And then uh, we had the main meetings and just hundreds and hundreds of people come up desperate to be set free. We had dramatic deliverances from people come from backgrounds of witchcraft, tribalism, all kinds of spiritism and generational curses. Power of God just came on them and, and uh, just had some amazing things. Went to a, a church, an outreach church, and uh, they'd gone through a very tough time and uh, they had uh, primarily young people there in the church and uh, just an amazing church. I don't think I've ever been in a church where the praise was as strong. Man, it just pumped. And it came on them. They, they had a, a painful time, and the pastor left, took a whole group of people with them, and uh, the church went through some upheaval. They pressed into God, and suddenly just God came into the church, and he said they just went wild. The pastor can't even explain it. He said what happened is, he said, the energy from the praising and the enthusiasm and joy that arose from it would get so high that they... And that, that, what can we do? And they would just, people would run out of the meeting through the side door, run round the building, back into the building again, just alive and, and, and enjoying the presence of God. And uh, I thought, oh, yes, absolutely wonderful. So it was, it was a joy to be there. I'm looking forward to being back in that church. Uh, just the energy of people really wanting to give God something, amen, to give him something. And so we went there, he's had a great move of God, touched the pastor, his wife got massive ministry, went from there down to Cape Town again, uh, a big church, gone through massive changes and change in leadership and then some difficulties. Uh, they had a number of churches planted since we were last there. We went out to those churches and again, power of God moved just a tremendous way. Had one uh, night there, we had a lady and she'd come from a family involved in spiritism, witchcraft. They had claimed her as their own and she just hit the floor and rolled around and God set her free, had people get set free of traumas of every kind. Quite a stunning time. And uh, just over the period of about two and a half weeks, we would have had many, many thousands experience the power of God. It's just an amazing time. But we're here. And I want you to open your Bible with me and go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
I want to share with you something to stir your heart today. And I, my prayer is that you have an ear to hear what God is wanting to say to you. That you have an ear to hear what the Spirit of God wants to speak into you. Things that happen in the kingdom of God are never by chance. They're always as a result of our responding to God and His Word. If we choose to believe God and position ourselves right, God will move on our behalf every time. If we choose to live in passivity, unbelief, then we will struggle and we'll never see the great things that God has. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, that God prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. <clears throat> I want to share with you just a moment <clears throat> a message called <clears throat> Embrace Your Assignment. Embrace the assignment God has given you. In this verse here, it's very clear, God has designed everything for a purpose. Uh, nothing you see in this room, for example, the speaker here, before the speaker came into being, it had a purpose. Someone had an idea what they wanted to do, and after they had the idea what they wanted to accomplish, then they made the object that would accomplish it. In other words, the purpose came before the item or the, 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 the actual uh, uh, the speaker. It's the same with us. Before you came into this world, God had an assignment prepared for you. You need to understand this. You're not an accident. None of us here are an accident. It may appear as though we arrived by accident or arrived unexpectedly or arrived perhaps in circumstances that were not the best circumstances. What you have to understand is this. We are God's workmanship. He designed us in Christ before we were born. He designed us for good works. So in other words, God designed you uniquely. There is no one like you, and there is a unique purpose for your life that no one else can fulfill. I don't know why you bother to compare with other people because they're not like you. I don't know why you want what other people have because God wants you to have what He's ascribed and ordered for your life. God has designed you to accomplish something no one else can accomplish. When we compare ourselves with one another, then we're comparing ourselves against the wrong standard. You'll always come up short. You'll always look at the best in someone else and the worst in yourself and come up short. God has designed you uniquely. And it's as we connect with our Creator, He calls us to discover the assignment He's given us. He's given you something that makes your life meaningful. There is something God sent you into this world to accomplish that there's no one else like you can take your place. You may think someone can take your place. People can take your place in an organization. People can take your place in a ministry. However, there are things that God has called you to accomplish. No one can take your place doing it because it's your assignment. Now, if God has created you with an assignment, then He has authorized you to carry out that assignment. He will back you when you choose to be who you are in Him and stop trying to be someone else. When you stand up and discover who I am in Christ and what I'm called to do, and you begin to choose to live authentically as the person you actually are. Not the one you'd like me to think you are. Not the one you'd like others to think you are. If you will live authentically as you are the person God called you to be and fulfill the assignment God gave you, then you will find all of heaven is behind you to empower you. 
you will find tremendous number of benefits when you embrace your identity in Christ and the assignment He's given you. It will give you a confidence. Why? Because you don't have to compare with anyone else. You can confidently be yourself and know God is happy with me. God likes me. God is with me. God has given me permission to do these things He's called me to do. See, you need to understand that. It's vital for you to understand that. It changes how you live your life. Otherwise, you live your life trying to be something or not, and you're never happy, and you're never authentic. You don't have the presence and power of God operate around your life. You end up trying to do things others want you to do instead of fulfilling your own assignment, and you never feel authorized or with any kind of power when you do it. This is the dilemma that so many people live like that. Horrendous. So we need to understand that whatever God has called you to do, He authorizes you to do it. He gives you permission. He stands behind you and said, I have called you into this world to accomplish these things. You see a number of examples like this. For example, Jeremiah and Jeremiah 1.5, before, before I formed you in the womb, that's before you even got thought about, He said, I already knew who you were. I knew your personality, your giftings, your passions, your makeup. I designed you, and then I put you in a body. Because before you turned up in a body, in a womb, before you turned up in someone's womb, he said, I already knew you. I knew exactly how I designed you. I knew the gifts I'd given you. I knew uh, the passions I put in you. I'd given, I knew the potential that was in you. I locked it into you in your spirit man, and then I put that spirit man into a body in a womb and grew it to bring you into the earth. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you. That means I gave you a assignment specific to you. So before you ever entered this world, God had an assignment specific for you. No one else could fulfill it. Your job in life is to connect with God, discover that assignment, and then fulfill it to its completion. So you end the course of your life like Paul saying, I have run my race, I finished my course, or I've completed the assignment. After 33 years, Jesus said, it is finished. I've completed my assignment. He came with an assignment. You need to understand you have come into this world not as an accident or as a mess, but as a person unique with an assignment. In Acts twenty-two eleven, God spoke to Paul and said, get up, go to Damascus, and there it'll be told you all that it is destined and appointed for you to do. In other words, even though Paul was following a path of madness, killing, destroying, persecuting the church, when he encountered God, all of that changed. He now become connected to the living God. Now God said to him, you wait in Damascus, you will be told. I have someone will minister to you that will identify and bring forth things I destined and appointed you to do. Only you can do it. Uh, there's another example of that found in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 5 where it says, who is Apollos and who is Paul? They're ministering servants through whom you believed even as the Lord appointed to each his task. So everyone is appointed a task to do. What is important is that you know the Lord and you're fulfilling the task he gave you to do. That is extremely important. If you're fulfilling the task that you are appointed by God to do, and there's a number of those, 
and they vary and develop as you go through life because your assignment in God uh, unfolds as you walk with him and are faithful in what is ahead of you right now. It, it develops and unfolds. You say, well, God, I want you to tell me my, what you got for me. Well, he will tell you the next step. But there are ways you can identify specifically your assignment. You, there are ways you can identify what you are uniquely gifted and called to do because it's written into you. It's in your spirit. It's already inside you. And if you decide that you will align with what God designed you to do and do it, you'll have his endorsement on your life. If you argue with him, resist it, you will never know the joy of flowing in the rivers of God. How can you? You're fighting against what God has assigned and designed you to do. And you'll create havoc and harm in your life when you don't find and discover God's purpose. So the second thing we need to see is that God connects us with other people to fulfill our assignment. Every person needs other people to bring forth what God has put inside them. You need other people. I hear lots of people talk about my ministry this and my ministry that, my ministry that. That is just a lot of independent talk. It's a lot of illegal talk. In, the, in Matthew chapter 7 and 24, many, he says, In that day, that's the day of the Lord's coming, many shall say to me, Oh, Lord, Lord. So they're believers. Oh, we did miracles in your name, and we prophesied, and we cast out demons. And he said, I never knew you, depart from me, you who worked iniquity, or you operated illegally. You were doing things I never authorized you to do. If you're not authorized to do something and you do it, that's illegal. That's why so many Christians live oppressed. Because they haven't surrendered to the Lord and to discover what His purpose is and align themselves fully to do it, and so they struggle. We need people to help us. And when you make a decision, you'll surrender to God's purpose for your life. You'll let him take charge of your life and you align yourself under his leadership and authority. He will bring people to you to help you with your assignment. He will arrange the connections. I minister all over the world. Let me tell you this. I never asked to be introduced to anyone. I never knocked on any door to ask it to open. God has opened all of the doors, and he keeps opening new ones, and I didn't ask. I didn't even drop a hint. I have never done that, because I believe if I was to go where I'm not called to go, that's illegal. And yes, God may bless and do things for the sake of the people, but it earns no favor as far as my relationship with him goes. We have to learn that we're called to fulfill something that God designed us for. Therefore, it's about you and God, and then it's about being connected to people that can unlock what God has put in your life. You don't unlock it yourself. You need others to help you unlock in your giftings. And that's why even in a, in a child, now you look at a baby. We've got a baby, brand new baby, absolutely wonderful, grandchild number 22, wonderful. And God has a plan and a destiny. But get this. Even nature shows us that that child has to be put in with a group of people in order to bring forth the potential. 
There's no difference in the kingdom of God. You're born again. You start off as a baby Christian. You need to belong to a body of people that love you, celebrate you, embrace you, and help call forth what God has put inside you. Not many people have positioned themselves well for that to happen because you have to become vulnerable. Let someone speak into your life. That's what a father does. A father says, I see this in you. We want to cultivate you growing in that area. Or they point out the things in your character that may hold you back or hinder you being successful and correct those things. So if you don't have any correction in your life, how can you not make lots of mistakes and sabotage your own destiny? Oh, he's really quiet. Tell someone he's talking to you right now. You better be listening. Let me give you an example, just a couple of examples. In, in Paul in Acts chapter 9, verse 27, but Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles. Paul had got saved. He had a fantastic experience. Did he go around the world preaching? No, he had a go at it. And they were all scared of him because of his bad reputation. You know, he was, they were terrified. Will you imagine? This is the bloodthirsty one that killed all the Christians. What are you, you're not going to have anything to do with him. He needed Barnabas to connect with him and bring him into apostolic connection. Barnabas brought him into an apostolic team, and it was in the apostolic team that his giftings were recognized, affirmed, and he was activated and released. That is why God is releasing or developing or calling forth into the world true apostles in this hour whose role is to recognize what God has put in people and help bring it forth and release them into the destinies and assignments God has given them. That's the biggest change that God is making in the church globally. It is the awakening of the apostolic gifting and anointing in order to activate God's people to dream and to unlock the gifts in their life and to begin to start to look out and bring the supernatural out into the marketplace, fulfilling the assignments God gave them. No one but you is authorized to go into your territory. It's your territory. It's the area God gave you. You're the one he authorizes to go there. I'm not authorized to go there necessarily. So God authorizes you. So so God gives you an assignment. He connects you to people. If you look in Acts chapter 13, it was out of a group of people that the call on Paul was recognized and Paul and Barnabas were released to go out and fulfill that call. So true ministry is released by being connected into a body of people where there's apostolic anointing flowing. Oh, okay. What about Jesus then, you say? Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 3. Jesus, the Son of God, when we look at his life, we find that he was at the age of 12 aware of his destiny and purpose. At 12, he's down in the temple learning, submitting to the authorities in the temple to interact with them in dialogue because that's part of calling forth his ministry. Then his parents came. They didn't understand. And so they overrode him and said, you can't do that. You come home with us. He submitted to them. Notice with Jesus, you'll find alignment with the kingdom of God. 
Now look at him. He's ready. He's age 30. He's now able to become a rabbi. He's able to go out and start his ministry. And so he's all ready to start his ministry. And what is the first thing he does after he's turned 30? Well, if it was today, they'd probably print a ministry card, put an advert up in town, and go out and try and do something. Yeah, Facebook page, exactly. Set up your Facebook page, declare this is my ministry, the Son of God has arrived, I'm about to start up. Please come, here's, my, here's where I am. That's how they do it today. But that's not how Jesus did it. The Bible, did. look what it says of Jesus, what he did. And it says in, uh, in uh, verse, thir- uh, verse something, uh, we'll find it in a moment. Yeah, it's in the Bible there, clearly. There it is, verse 13. And Jesus came from Galilee to John at Jordan to be baptized by him. So how far is Galilee from Jordan? Well, it's about a couple of weeks' walk. That's a lot of walking. Why was it so important to Jesus to go to where John was when it's so out of the way? See? So he goes to John. John was his cousin. John was only six months older than him. So why did Jesus go to John? Because we read in Luke chapter 4, we find that while there were all these religious people were doing stuff, the word of God in that hour came to John. John was authorized by God to prepare the way for the Savior. In other words, of all the ministries in the land in that hour, John was the only one that had divine endorsement on it. And you'll notice with John, it says that he emptied out the synagogues. The crowds came out to him in the wilderness. He didn't have a building. He didn't have fine clothes. He didn't have fine business cards. He just had the authority of God on his life, and people came because they recognized divine authority. They drew to him to hear him. His message was repent, be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came, and it says that Jesus came, and John said, oh, this is one mightier than me. So here's John, who's God's authorized minister, and he sees Jesus, this is mightier ministry than me. I will decrease, and he will increase. And Jesus comes to him and says, I need you to baptize me. He said, well, no, 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 no. Your ministry is, is greater than mine, and I'm not worried to do that. He said, no. For right positioning for me to launch my ministry, I need to submit to you. Think about that. He positioned himself. Now, of course, you've got lots of people in the church think a little differently to that. They think, it's just me and God. Well, welcome to the world of independence. It's not just you and God. It never has been. It's always us and God and us and people. And they go hand in hand because God assigns people. You see, we all live in community. We all live connected somewhere. And God not only gives us personal authority and assignment, he connects us to people whose goal and role or purpose by God is to help bring forth what's in your life. Jesus submitted to John. Now notice this. He got baptized. That meant he, he let go of his old life and he, came and he was immersed into the ministry of John, even though he was greater. And when he positioned himself like this, then what happened was the heaven opened up, the Holy Ghost came on him, he received anointing from on high, the Father affirmed, he said, this is my son. The Father took responsibility for him. 
You want God to be responsible for you? Then you learn to submit to him. If you want to run independent, well, have a go. Give it a go. See how it worked. Didn't do Adam too good. See, none of us are called to live a life independent of God or of others. We're called to be interconnected. And our assignment and the fulfilling of our assignment requires connections with people. And so we need to recognize who God has placed in our life and go to them, connect with them. They're called by God to help bring your ministry, whatever he's called you for, your assignment. He's, he's, he's designed by God to do that. Now, here's the thing. The devil will always try to get you out of your assignment and out of your connections. I'll say it again. The devil will always try to get you out of your assignment and out of your connections. They've got a whole heap of ways of doing it. Gets you offended. It's one of the great ways it always works. Get a little bit of offense in there, you're out. Say, struck out. Okay? Or disappointment. Or delay, it just didn't come when I thought it would. Or some kind of pressure on your life. Some kind of accusations against you, false accusations. Some kind of betrayal by someone. There's a whole manner of ways that the devil will try and take you out of what God assigned you and called you to do and authorized you to do and is the reason for you being in the world. The devil will always try to do that to you. You have to think about that. He did that to, notice the first thing that happened to, to Jesus in Luke chapter 4. And it says, the devil came and said, well, if you're the son of God, prove you are. See those stones? I know you're really hungry. Use your power, that power you've got as the son of God, and turn them into bread. Then you'll be better. In other words, he's saying this. You don't need to trust God to provide for you. What you could do is use your gifting and your ministry to help yourself. Every time people use their gift and their ministry to advance themselves, they're operating illegally. That's what leads to all forms of manipulation, self-promotion, all of those kind of things. It's an illegal operation. Now, there may be some gifting around there. There may be kinds of things. But if the motivation isn't right... It doesn't count. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. It creates confusion and havoc. See? So true leadership is to bring forth others. To bring forth others, not hold them back. And Adam, think of Adam. And if you read in Luke chapter 4 and verse 6, it said, the Son of Man said, uh, let's, let's have a look in, in Luke. This is a particularly interesting verse. In, in Luke chapter 4, uh, Jesus is tempted again. Look what it says here. It says in Luke 4, verse 6, uh, verse 5, it says, The devil took Jesus to a high mountain. So he, he, there was, a, there was a, obviously a, a, a probably a, he, a, his whole body was translocated to a high mountain. And then in a moment he showed him all of the kingdoms of the world in time. So this is a major demonic encounter. And the devil said, All this authority I'll give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I, I wish. Now notice what he's been offered. He's been offered all the kingdoms of the world, in contrast to a heavenly kingdom. Now, he noticed what the devil said. It's been delivered to me. How did it get delivered to him? That word delivered is an interesting word. It's the word meaning to betray an entrustment you've been given. To hand something over. To betray. So when Adam, the first man, was put in the earth, he was given an assignment, 
He was given authority, and he was given a boundary within which he should respect God's will, and he violated it. When he violated it, the word used there is the word to betray. He betrayed the entrustment God gave him. He became a traitor to God by listening to the devil and abandoning his assignment. Why would we think that we are any different if God has created us for an assignment and we listen to strange voices and stray away from our assignment? You're giving up what God called you to do. You're trading it for something. That is called treason. That's what Adam did. We're experiencing the impact of that. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross so we could be restored back and not make the same mistake. That makes your assignment even more crucial to your relationship with God. He has designed you for something. It's your responsibility to connect to him and discover what it is and begin to fulfill it and not be diverted to something else. It doesn't mean that you'll be preaching or going all over the world or anything like that. For most people, it means they will live out of the giftedness God has given them in whatever calling God has given them in the community. But in that calling, they will bring God into that place, the presence of God, the kingdom of God into that place. So every believer has that privilege to be able to do that. Hey, you all got so quiet now. (laughs) So the moment Adam strayed, he lost his protection, he lost his blessing, life became hard for him. And I've observed for many people, life is really, really hard. Why is it hard? Because they're not living under that place where, the hand, where they're conscious of the hand of God, submitted to trust Him. If God has authorized something for you, He's going to provide. You don't need to sweat it out. You don't need to struggle. You don't need to work at it. You need to lean into God and exercise faith. He will bring everything to work, all things together for good. So many people live in anxiety because they don't trust God will provide. They're afraid of what might happen. That means they haven't come to yield. All of this is yours, Lord, not mine. You see, if you are the steward of something, someone, someone else owns it. And they are responsible for it. You just are the steward part. It's their job to provide, protect, and look out for you. That's why Jesus lived, notice, all the time. He walked out of every trap that they put him in. Everyone, because he couldn't be contained. His father was protecting him. Father was keeping him. He said, I only do the things I see my father doing. I've come not to do my own will. I've come to do the will of the father. He was aligned with his father. He said, I come to do your will. I come to please you so I can be at rest. Everyone else is stressed out. He's at rest. They get in the boat. The boat goes through this horrendous storm. The disciples look and they're panicking and they're frightened. Jesus said, guys... We haven't finished our job. We're not going to sink. The storm's not going to finish us. We haven't finished the job. If we haven't finished the job, we can't be taken out. What do we need to do? We need to stop this nonsense that's happening around us. Speak with faith into the storm. You understand? It's the whole positioning of Jesus, confident he's living under the authority of his Father. He submitted to him. So, I wonder what the devil's used to get you out of your place. I want to finish with one last verse here in 1 Kings chapter 19. It's so easy to look at the circumstances, to look at the pain we feel, the difficulties we go through, 
And instead of like Jesus, say, Father, not my will, but you will be done, and carrying on and persevering, we get overwhelmed and disheartened, discouraged, and draw back. Notice what here it says, 1 Kings 19 verse 9, And Elijah, that great and mighty man of God, full of power, went into a cave, spent the night in the cave, and the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He's a mighty man of God in a cave. Now, you understand, Elijah had an assignment from God. There was only one man authorized to fulfill that assignment. It's Elijah. God's whole plan for Israel depends on Elijah. The people of Israel need Elijah to do his bit. Everything is connected. Just like there are people who need you to do your bit. Whether it be to pray, to serve, whatever it is that God, that, that, that God has called you to do, if you stop doing it, there are people that are going to be affected by that. And so Elijah starts out great. Now, when you are flowing in your authority, when you're flowing in your gift, when you're flowing out of divine relationship, you notice how confident he is. He stands there, calls the prophets of Baal out. Here, come on out, you guys. Let's see what you're made of. The boldness of him. Because he's aligned with heaven. He's walking in his assignment. It brings great boldness. It brings great blessing. It brings great protection. They hunted him down for three years. They couldn't find him. He was protected. He was provided for in famine. In fact, as he walked in his assignment, all of the blessings of God were on his life. So he faces the prophets of Baal. Oh, he said, let's see what you guys are made of. Come on, let's see if he can pull some fire out of heaven. And then when they couldn't do it, he said, oh, maybe your God's asleep. Why don't you make a bit more noise or cut yourself, jump up and down or do something. You probably need to wake him up. He just got very, very cheeky and bold. Kingdom boldness. Because he's walking in his assignment, absolutely confident that God is with him. And then when they've done all their stuff, he does the altar, and then he pours buckets and buckets of water on it to make it more difficult. Then he says, now, God, I didn't start this at my own idea. Now, Lord, bring down fire from heaven. God brought fire from heaven. Then he brought rain. So what an amazing man when he's flowing in his assignment. But his assignment wasn't over, and suddenly something happened. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19, Jezebel sent him a messenger saying essentially this, I'm going to kill you, and if I can't kill you, I'll die myself. I'm going to put everything I can into this thing. Words came to him, threatening words, accusing words, attacking words, and behind those words, a spirit. And its design was to take him out of his place of authority to take him out of his assignment, to get him to back up. And where did it come from? It came from a usurper who was illegally in a place of rulership in the nation, illegally operating in the nation, and because she was doing it illegally, she had to force everyone into submission. When you're walking in divine authority, God backs you up. You don't need to force anyone to do anything. When you're not walking in divine authority, then it's up to you, and you've got to use every trick in the book to get everyone to play, play the game. It's false leadership. And so 
He saw it, and this is what he did. Now, you've got to realize, I want you to see this. When he saw it, in other words, he was impacted internally in his spirit by the resistance that came to him. And here's what he should have done. He should have held on to his assignment and said, I will not quit. God who helped me yesterday will help me today. When he drew back from his assignment, I want you to see what happened to him. If you get a knock or a hit, it's to get you out of the positioning God put you in, relationally and practically. When you get a hit, its design is to remove you from something God called you to do. If you let it go, you will let go of connections and you will end up with a very, very difficult season in your life. You notice then he began to isolate and withdraw. He began to sit down. He became passive and sat down. Passivity is evidence you've drawn back from your assignment. Show me a passive person. Tell your person who hasn't got a clue what their assignment is and they're not fulfilling it. They're in bondage. They're in defeat. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In other words, it requires you arise in your spirit and be relatively assertive in holding God's word and promises over your life for you to break through. You cannot be passive. It's a characteristic in our nation. We can't be passive in our praise, passive in our thanksgiving, passive in our prayer. We can't afford to be like that or you live in a place of defeat. Then the next thing, he, he sat down. Next thing, he becomes depressed and loses all hope. There are numbers of Christians like that. And it started when they drew back from their assignment and the positioning that God put them in. Then the trouble began. The Bible's very clear that if you draw back while you're in the place God put you, and while you're doing what God called you to do, you have heaven's endorsement. When you draw back from that, I mean, it's different if God tells you that's the end of that. That's a different thing altogether. You're following your assignment still. See? He's just the assignment's over here rather than over there. But if you pull back because you were hurt or knocked or attacked or criticized or all of those kind of things that happen to all of us, then what happens is life goes very difficult because the devil uses that against you and beats you down. The devil used the authority Adam surrendered, and he's been beating the world down ever since. We should get the picture of that. If God has given you authority in your family, your marriage, your finances, in your personal life and your ministry, and you draw back from standing in that and exercising it, you will have pressures come against you in that area of your life that will drive you back into the place of being intimidated, overwhelmed, and hiding in a cave. How do you know someone's hiding in a cave? Oh, it's easy to tell. There's no authority in their life. There's no victory in their life. The boldness is gone. The confidence is gone. They're usually passive and depressed and don't want to talk to anyone about that thing. You ask them, how are your finances going? And immediately there's an angry reaction. You know they're in the cave and they're defeated. You ask about how the marriage is going, an angry reaction. Action. Oh, you're in a cave and defeated. See, it's not hard to find. But God's word to him was not one of rebuke. It was a very gentle voice. What are you doing here? You don't belong in a cave. You belong out in the nation, changing the nation. Christians, you don't belong in a cave. 
You and I do not belong in the back of some dark cave. Could be a religious cave, and you pray some prayers and sing a few songs and go to some meetings, but you are in a cave because you're not arising and exercising the spiritual authority in prayer and embracing your assignment. God wants you to do that. To come out of that cave. You know, this is what happened. He was very ashamed. He wrapped his mantle around. He didn't want to look. I don't want to look. You know what little kids are like when they're in trouble? I don't want to look. I don't want to look. They just cover their eyes like you'll go away if you cover the eyes. And he came out and God said, Elijah, go back. And I want you to multiply your ministry. I want you to take what I put on your life and put it on the lives of others. If you're an older person here, God wants to take what you've learned over years and put it on the lives of others. There is no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of heaven. You retire when they bury you. Until that day, you're either on active service or you're AWOL. If you're AWOL, you're out of your assignment, you'll be depressed and get sick and run down out of energy really soon. But if you will... God, until the day my breath goes, I'm fulfilling the assignment you have for me. I will not lie in a cave. I will not be buried in some cave somewhere. Even if it's a religious cave, I will fulfill what God gave me. That is what God is looking for. And God will arrange the connections. God will arrange people that need what you have. And if you're an older person, even if they stick you in a home and you can't walk around, there's someone there needs you. That's why you're in that home and why God didn't answer that prayer to get healed. He put you there because someone needs you. Find out who it is and get them saved before they go to hell. Some of the older people in the church, I want to speak to you and say, don't give up. Don't say, hey, it's all up to a younger generation. Help them go, support them in going, but get refired yourself fired up to do something great for the kingdom of heaven. You've still got life in you, do something with it. You've still got breath in you, do something with it. You've still got God's anointing, get back into the place of your assignment. Come out of the cave of hiding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's get to our feet, shall we?